Welcome to School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston, OASBO Executive Director. Each episode of this podcast is dedicated to discussing events and issues that affect the people who are in the business of supporting students. Now, let's take a few minutes to see what's going on in the school business world. Hello, everyone. I'm glad you're joining us for this episode of School Biz Chat. We are so pleased to have this available as another one of the ways we keep you informed, connected, and engaged. I'm especially pleased to have our guest, David Vine, with us today. I'll let David introduce himself in just a minute. I've heard David make a presentation at an event last year, and I was so impressed and so moved by his comments that I said, I have to bring him to Missouri and even to the rest of the country because I know we have listeners that are outside of the state. So David, thank you so much for joining us. And would you please just take a minute and tell everyone a little bit about you? Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so excited to be able to be here. And I am a school business official working in Barrington Community Unit School District 220. That's in the Chicago suburbs, the Northwest suburbs. I've been working as a school business official for quite a number of years, both in Barrington and at a couple other districts. I am a career changer, so I spent about half of my life in the private sector working in various roles, including as an engineer, as a management consultant, and as a corporate finance guy. So I've got that private sector experience and knowing how things work at companies along with the public sector side. That's a little bit about me. So that's an interesting perspective that you have. And as we get into this topic, not only do you bring your perspective from being outside, but you have um, a special perspective on our topic of working through grief and helping our colleagues as they deal with grief. So I'm just gonna let you tell your story and then I may ask you some questions about how we can learn from that and how you're taking um, that experience and helping others as they navigate through a difficult time in their life. It was back while I was working in the private sector. Uh, I had been um, married and my wife and I were uh, excitedly expecting our third child. So we had two little ones at home and we're really excited about the third coming along. We already had a boy and a girl, so we figured bonus child, no pressure. Uh, so uh, unfortunately during that, that pregnancy, my wife started having some complications with some of the more typical pregnancy symptoms and that ultimately led to a diagnosis during her pregnancy of stage four colon cancer. Uh, and that was a, quite a shock for us. And we had a lot of concern around how do we manage the end of the pregnancy? Um, how do we take care of our baby? How do we take care of my wife? And so we ultimately were able to get a great team of doctors together that helped us out. Our daughter, Eva, was born. We call her a bit of a miracle baby, uh, having come through that. And a couple days after Eva was born, my wife had a colon resection and then began chemo treatments and radiation treatments. She later had a liver resection and some more treatments after that. And uh, three years after Eva was born, my wife passed away. That was a tough uh, experience. So at, at the time, I had a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old at home. 
Uh, I was working um, in corporate finance at that particular time. There were, I experienced some, uh, some challenges, uh, both from you know, just the normal stuff of going through loss and dealing with grief, which is really the bulk of the, the topic that I want to talk about. But I also had some practical experiences that were, that were difficult. Trying to find childcare is not something that's a new experience for many parents. It was new for me as an only parent, not something that I had really had time to plan for or to figure out. I wasn't always able to get my kids to a sitter right at the right time or have somebody cover for them. So being able to work with my employer was really important that they understood what I was dealing with and, and provided me some flexibility. Uh, right after my wife died, I had the HR department contact me and say, well, we'd like to come out um, and I, I'm bringing the vice president with to talk with you, which seemed a little odd to me. So we met at a Panera right by my house. And uh, after just asking how I was just a few days after my wife had died, they proceeded to tell me that there was an error that was made with my life insurance. So I had um, elected a larger amount of life insurance for my wife when I had started there about a year or so earlier. And uh, that hadn't yet been processed. And they told me that they had actually okayed a larger amount than the guaranteed minimum. So uh, they couldn't actually give me all of the health insurance that they told me I had been approved for and that I was actually only getting about a fifth of what I was expecting in life insurance for my wife. So you know, I had financial issues as well. And I think that anecdote there really goes to the importance in business offices of, in, in human resource departments of the importance of accurately and thoroughly processing some of this paperwork. It's the kind of thing that we never think we're actually going to need. And uh, when someone does, it, that's not the time to figure out that your internal process wasn't working for you, right? That's the last thing that, that you need and certainly not the message that you want to deliver to uh, someone who's grieving. So, you know, as I really started to research uh, grief and to think more deeply about it, uh, this is now years after my personal experience, I started to read about some of the obvious mental kinds of impacts you can have just the normal dealing with loss. And grief really is the reaction to dealing with loss. And you get sad, you get depressed, you have tendencies to think of whatever you have lost as being the best. Normally we, th we think about grief and loss relating to people, but it doesn't always have to be. You know, during the pandemic, we lost all kinds of things, stability, a sense of connection with others, uh, other things like that. But whatever it was, you sort of think of it as, you know, putting someone or something on a pedestal that it was perfect. It was amazing. And we go through this mentally. So there's that part of, of grief. And then there's actually the physical part of grief. And there's plenty of research that shows that grief causes some changes physiologically in our bodies. Uh, quite frankly, the, um, the loss of, of a spouse increases the risk of the surviving spouse of dying by over 40% in the year following the first spouse's death. So that you know, there's stuff that goes on. It's not just, a, oh, I'm sad. There are actual biologic changes that happen that can affect our health. We age faster. Uh, we're more susceptible to disease and illness. So these become part of what we now as leaders have to contend with when we think about 
our teams and others within our organization who might be experiencing loss and suffering grief, whether it's from the loss of a loved one or whether it's from some other kind of loss that they're experiencing. So there are some things that I'm excited to say that we can do and that we can keep in mind as leaders. Normally, we have about three days of leave for a death of a loved one. So you know, that bereavement leave is pretty short. Some research that says more typically, people will experience grief over the course of a couple of years. So it might be the normal time that it takes for someone to uh, deal with and process and adjust to the new normal. When we give three days off for bereavement, compared to two years of dealing with it, it's important to keep in mind that people aren't going to be the same. They will continue to be distracted at work. Uh, they will continue to be less productive, to have different kinds of behaviors, uh, to sometimes be confused and to struggle trying to figure out what's next. And that's actually one of the um, interesting parts that I was reading about and have been talking about uh, is sort of meaning reconstruction theory. Um, and there was a great article in Harvard Business Review about I don't know, a year and a half ago, uh, two years ago, that talked about a concept called holding that I thought was very related to meaning reconstruction theory. And the notion is that as leaders, one of the most important things that we can do is to help our teams, people who are dealing with loss, to figure out and make meaning out of what's in front of them. And sometimes that's as simple as having a, a checklist that's prepared in advance as to how you are going to deal with loss and coverage. You know, for teachers, for example, a teacher might be doing bus duty in the morning, lunch duty in the middle of the day, and of course have regular instruction, might be a coach, might be a club sponsor or something else. And being able to provide some sense of, here's how it's going to work. We have a plan for covering these things. We have a plan to take care of your students. We have a plan to take care of this club or activity whatever you're sponsoring. We have a plan for how you're going to get your paychecks. All of these kinds of things, take some of that concern and worry away. There's a tendency for us to say, well, it's been a few months, I mean, get over it. Because we're over it. All of us might experience some level of loss. And I know when my wife died, that there were family members that were experiencing loss as well, it wasn't just me. There were many, many friends who experienced loss, and there were colleagues of mine that felt that loss through me that knew my wife or knew of my wife. So we, it's not just me, but everybody gets to experience loss in their own way. And there's not one right way. There's not one right time. Now, there are some situations where it's not quite right. There, there is some real extended prolonged grief that's not actually healthy, that requires some professional health. But again, that can take a while and somebody's experience may be different than somebody else's. So you have to be thoughtful about that. Boy, I'm really glad you're emphasizing that because I think people need to hear that, that people's journey in that road of grief is personal. And the way I grieve is probably not going to be the way you grieve. And so I think understanding that and 
adjusting our expectations to realize that everyone is not like me. And then I really, really appreciate you're talking about having a plan because, you know, in school districts, we like to plan for things, but I'm not sure how many of us at a central office level have actually sat down and thought about that. And unfortunately, for Missouri people, this topic is incredibly timely. Um, one of our superintendents was killed in a car wreck on the first day of school mm. this year. And it's a very small community, small school district. So as you can imagine, the shock waves just continue to go out. And so I'm just thinking about what you said about having some plans in place, managing expectations, and then particularly about the part of it's not something that can happen in three days. Three days now, get over it, move on. That there may be some days down the road where some people are needing to take some sick leave or some personal leave because they're having, they just need to stay home or they may need to go visit a therapist or a doctor. And then the other thing that you, I was thinking about would be our employee assistance plans and removing, I do think there is a bit of a stigma around accessing those services and maybe that's getting better now, but making sure that people know there are resources and help available if your district has something like an EAP. Absolutely. You bring up some great points and the making meaning concept is really to help support folks and to see that there is a path forward and it's not the way things were. You know, and you know, grief isn't, it's not like getting a cut where you get a scab and you know, a few weeks later the scab falls off and you've got fresh new skin underneath. You know, my wife died and it's not like we can wait three days, three months, three years, and all of a sudden the scab falls off and there I am, just like I was before my wife died and I, my wife's back. That's not how it works. And our experience in grief and dealing with loss is a product of who we are, what our background and experiences are, what our family's like, what, even what our genetics are like. All of these can influence our experience in processing grief. Having those resources like an EAP or a psychologist or psychiatrist, a counselor, that can help are important. And you're right, there has been a stigma around that, but there's nothing wrong with seeking help. And certainly if an employee is dealing with some prolonged grief, that isn't always healthy. And it's okay for us as leaders to provide some of those resources. Say, here's something to think about. You might try that. Um, and even being a little vulnerable. So if you're someone who has used those kinds of services before, uh, to be a little vulnerable and maybe even say in confidence, I've used them. It's okay. You can do it. A lot of people do. You don't know because we don't talk about it, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And one of the other things I wanted to make sure I noticed when you talked about your colleagues from my previous position in a school district, oftentimes, unfortunately, we were dealing with the death of a student. And the priority was always on helping other students process the grief. And so we would bring in other counselors, we would provide resources. 
And one of the things I was really proud about my school district was we also provided resources for staff because they're grieving and yet they're trying to assist their students. And so I worked with a counselor from one of our local funeral homes who was just outstanding. And we would do things like if someone just said, I just can't do this, then someone would cover his or her class. But I'm glad you pointed that out because lots of times in school districts, we forget about the adults and what they're going through in some of these traumatic situations. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of the tips from the field that I like to share are related to that. Uh, at my district, we had a string of student suicides, a suicide cluster that happened a number of years ago. And in talking with some of the administrators that were dealing with that, they really emphasized pre-planning and preparation. You never know when you're going to have a loss of a student from whatever reason or a student's parents or loved ones that you're trying to deal with. So having some plans in advance, having a response team planned out in advance with the right kinds of resources being available is so important. But then also reminding leaders to try to not internalize everything. And that's not always easy, but trying not to internalize it can help. But the other part is you can't always prevent yourself from internalizing it, or you may be personally also grieving. You may be dealing with the loss yourself at the same time that you're in a position of trying to help someone else. So not forgetting to provide support for those who are providing support is really important. Mm -hmm. And you, and you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I had a principal tell me that after a student had committed suicide, the student's father came in, went toe to toe with him and was yelling at him saying that the principal was the cause for the student's death. It couldn't have been further from the truth given the additional resources and support that the school was providing. It really was a matter of a bad relationship between the student and his father. And having someone right in your face telling you that you're the reason that someone committed suicide is pretty tough. You can bet that the principal needed some extra support after that. So having that support for those who are providing support, as you said, really important. I'm writing down several notes, but that's going to be a key takeaway tagline for me. Provide support for those providing support. And the people who are listening to this podcast are in positions where they can affect and influence that. Maybe your district is a small one. And you might have to get some folks from a neighboring district to come over and help. I mean, that's one of the things about educators. I truly believe we care about each other and in times of crisis are willing to step in and help. And so I think that is such an important thing to remember that the people providing support need support. I really, yeah, really appreciate absolutely. It. You know, it's in in our profession, you know, school school finance. You know, we're sort of the cold, hard-hearted numbers people, right? We're worried about liability and risk and financial security. We're not about people, right? Okay, well, that's a little stereotype. I don't believe that to be uh, true at all. But uh, it is important, especially for us and for other leaders in the district office, where sometimes we're perceived as being a little colder and a little more 
about the business of education, it's important for us to remember the, that there are people at the end of this, regardless of the nature of the loss, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's a loss of a friend or a connection, that these are people that are experiencing it. And we need to give them some space. We need to help them understand that there is a path forward. But we also have to keep in mind we can't fix it. There's no way to fix things. That's not our job to fix it. But we can help someone understand. We can give them comfort in space to try and process what's going on. We can even help them think through and process what's going on. We can make them feel secure about what's coming next and what to expect. But understanding that these are people and maybe it's somebody else this time, but next time it could be us. And how do we want to be treated? So that's really a way that we can help keep that human side of what we do in education out, out there and in front of us and build those connections and provide supports for those people who need it. And I loved your idea about reaching out to other school districts. Uh, that is so important. There also may be medical facilities that have counselors, uh, maybe private practice, that when you reach out as a school district and say, we had the loss of a student or we had loss of a superintendent, whatever, whatever it is, could you provide some help for us? You may find that they're very willing to come out. Some may not even charge for it. I may just come out and donate their time to help you. We are really part of a family and educators are so well loved in our country. Quite honestly, relatively easy to find others who will come and help us out. Well, and that's where we're going to end because I think that's what we have to remember. We are part of a family and our individual ASBO associations and affiliates in all of these different states truly are a community and a resource. So David, I wanna thank you for your time, for your insights, for your perspectives, for your tips. This has been incredibly valuable. And to those of you who tuned in, thank you for being a part of this edition of School Biz Chat. If you enjoyed this new episode, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. Until our next time, take care. We'll be chatting. This has been School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Fridays of each month. If you have topics you'd like to be covered in the future, send Kim an email at kcranston at moasbo.org.